0: When Professor of English Leslie Dunn recommended a book to me that aligned with my interest in disability studies, I excitedly read the book in under a day. That book entitled Academic Ableism has fundamentally changed my understanding of disability, of higher education, and the social and cultural factors that perpetuate ableism. I was introduced to the specter of eugenics across academia throughout the 20th century and its lasting impact today. Today, I'd like to talk with you about ableism and discover how you, a student, employee or friend of Vassar, and I have a part to play in dismantling ableism. Let's dive in.
1: What's brewing at the AEO?
0: Academic Ableism is a book authored by J. Timothy Dolmage, a professor of English at the University of Waterloo in Ontario, Canada. What I love most about this book is that it is, at its very core, a very accessible book. I'm not sure what your experience with disability studies scholarship has been, but mine has been challenging. Ideas are shared in complex ways and it takes me a long time to process. This book, however, offered these complex ideas in simpler ways. Dolman shares the following, which I believe more authors should strive for.
1: But the danger for a junior scholar is that we inflate our work with theory and with difficult language in an effort to sound as smart as possible. For disability studies researchers, This can mean that our work actually excludes members of our own community. I would suggest that students and teachers of disability studies can add another dimension to the argument Joshua Rothman is making in The New Yorker and argue that the process of making academic writing more and more academic can be a process of ableism and it can reproduce ableism, creating steep steps. Putting academic research in these terms matters. One of the originators of disability studies, Tom Shakespeare, wrote many years ago that academic work on disability may not always be accessible. I believe writers should use plain language, but this does not equal a duty to be immediately comprehensible. I have quoted Einstein, who said, make everything as simple as possible, but not simpler.
0: The book is also accessible in other ways.
1: It's offered as a bound
0: book that you can buy on Amazon or get at your local library. There is a free, open-source, full-text version of the book made available through the University of Michigan Press. and It's also available for free on Audible, so you can read it in whichever way works best for you and your needs. Academic ableism is a book that practices what it preaches. And so while I don't want to give you a summary of the book necessarily, here are some points that, even two years later, still resonate with me. One of Dolmage's earliest claims is that humans think spatially. We perceive the world in terms of physical space and spatial relations. Thus, space already conveys information. Let's take a moment to think about what this means on Vassar's campus. What quote-unquote information is conveyed by, say, the library steps? Well, one could argue that the library's steps symbolize the journey towards knowledge or wisdom. Or perhaps library being such a recognizable and central part of the campus illustrates a deeper culture within the institution. Dolmage argues that colleges and universities erect steep steps to keep certain bodies and minds out. So physical space and features hold meaning. And without disabled voices, that meaning might not be the most inclusive. Dolmage goes on to talk about the ableist features of a classroom and how oftentimes teachers might respond by saying, well, there's no disabled students in my class. and So this statement is a kind of apologia for creating an inclusive classroom, and we know that statistically this is a near impossibility. On Vassar's campus, for example, at least one in five students have a disability, although that's just the number of students registered with the AEO. There are no doubt a number of students who have a disability and choose not to disclose. And there are others still who may have emerging diagnoses and changing needs. If you're interested in learning more about responses to this type of sentiment, be sure to listen to Ethan's podcast episode on Universal Design for Learning. Dolmage also has an entire chapter devoted to this topic. Dolmage then shares with us an important but often not talked about part of US history, the eugenics movement. In the mid-19th century, higher education institutions were popping up across the country. What is relatively less known is that during the same time period, asylums were also popping up, usually right down the road from these higher education institutions. For example, a short walk from Syracuse University, you would find yourself at the New York State Asylum for Idiots. The state colony for the feeble-minded in Austin, Texas, was just a mile away from the University of Texas. In 2014, University of Mississippi officials found a site of up to 2,000 unmarked grave sites from the then-partnering Mississippi Lunatic Asylum. The history of higher education, then, is entrenched with disability and the study of disabled bodies. What is important to remember is that up until the passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act in 1990, the majority of disabled body minds on a college campus were the researched, not the researcher. Eugenics was a pseudo-scientific discipline with the goal of improving the human race by encouraging, quote, the well-bred and healthy to procreate, while discouraging or even sometimes forcibly preventing the poor, the sick, and the undesirable from having children. This could look like forcible sterilization, genocide, and the state-sponsored segregation, subjugation, and pathologizing of non-white, poor, working-class, ill-educated, and disabled people." Vassar's history of eugenics was truly quite surprising. Here's what I found. A 2020 Miscellany News article written by Lucy Leonard et al. describes how Blodgett Hall was originally purposed as a euthenics building. Euthenics, which is defined as racial improvement through environment, was founded by Vassar alumna who noted that euthenics and eugenics could work well hand in hand and that by developing them together, it will inevitably create a better race of men. As late as 1950, there was a class offered at Vassar on heredity and the anthropology of various racial ethnic groups. In the early 20th century, all Vassar students were required to take a class called fundamentals, which was a physical education course. In this course, students were photographed nude and their, quote, defects were pointed out. These photographs were then used in some pseudo-scientific studies by a researcher at Columbia University to prove the superiority of white and upper-class people. It's critical, in my view, that we continue to investigate the history of eugenics so that the specter cannot continue to haunt these grounds. I'm now going to pivot to another important point to end our episode today. Dolmage describes the way in which wellness on college campuses perpetuates ableist ideology. He notes that prevailing models of wellness make, quote, being well an individual endeavor. You're either good at self-care or you're bad at it. You're to blame for your mental health if you're not well enough, we're told. When we use this rhetoric, we shift the blame from the institution, from society. We're away from the systems and the processes and the practices that disable us. The burden lands on you. For Vassar, one thing I noticed this year was that we didn't have self-care days, but instead community care days. This change in language is important for us to consider, of course, but I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts about in what ways Vassar lives out that community care, not just on a couple of days each semester, but throughout your time in the community. In what ways do faculty support our care? How do administrators and administrative offices complement that care? How do we as individuals support each other so that no one is to blame and everyone gets their needs met? We need to listen to each other better. We need to talk about disability in conversations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. We need to ensure that people understand our experiences as disabled members of the Vassar community. Our narratives are important. This episode today covered a few topics in Dolmage's book, Academic Ableism, that really stuck out to me. But there's a lot more for you to explore on your own. I read this book about two years ago, and it's still one that I reread from time to time. The fact that it's available in so many multimodal formats is a testament to Dolmage's commitment and understanding of disability, accessibility, and universal design for learning. If anything I mentioned today has sparked some interest, please do consider picking it up. Form a book club or talk about it with anyone who will listen. We've got work to do still to create a culture of accessibility and inclusion, and reading this book will prepare you for that work. All right, y'all, I hope you learned a little bit today Um, enjoyed this episode of What's Brewing with the AEO. Take care. What's Brewing at the AEO?